This is your weekly scheduled Aura Van Dank sound test. I would just start recording now, but I don't trust myself to do so. Yeah, so I didn't love the way that sounded. And I've now turned the microphone sensitivity to approximately 64%. That number came from my asshole. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I turned the knob to like, from here to here. Which feels like a 40% decrease. Not quite 50, not quite less than 40. So, sometimes you need to lower the desk chair so that your wig fits in the frame. Let's see. Huh. So hi, and welcome back to another week of Murder's a Drag. With me, Aura Van Dank. This week I got my information from the Calexico Chronicle, theadvocate.com, and the Anti-Violence Project's website. 99.9% of my information came from there, and the other 0.01% came from Facebook, friends, families, posts about the person's life so that I could learn. You know how I roll. So last Friday, I got to perform in San Diego again. I think I mentioned that on my episode. But I always feel like such a success. I'm just a big city gal in a big city world. Wait, it would rhyme more if I said big city girl in a big city world. But it was intimidating because I went alone. Charlie had to work, so I was driving to San Diego alone. And I've been to Charlotte alone a million times, but like Charlotte, North Carolina versus San Diego, there's a big difference, like in size and just everything. But I did good. I was a good adult person and I, nothing scary happened to me. The drive was kind of shitty, but you know, that's just because it's kind of far. But it was a lot of fun and I was feeling very successful and powerful. And I'm going to take over the world now. That's all it took. Now I'm going to do some spells and soon you'll all have Dancing Fever until you die. That's in honor of Florence and the Machine's new album, Dance Fever. Okay. Yeah, I also get to see Florence and the Machine twice this year. Well, three times, I guess. Because I already saw her that one time that I raved about for like two hours. Maybe my fan base would be bigger if I didn't talk about my obsessions so much. But you know, fuck it. It's my podcast. Fuck you. I'm just kidding. Not fuck you. Unless you oppose me talking about my interests, then yes, fuck you. This is my podcast. What else are you here for? The content I create? Doubtedly. Doubtfully. I'm going to fly to Boston to see Florence with my sister, and then Charlie and I are going to go see Florence again in San Diego. (laughs) Another shout out to San Diego. Love that place. And it's going to be so much fun, and I hope that she recognizes me from the L.A. concert of me, you know, flailing in the mezzanine. And maybe she will recognize me. That's definitely going to be the name of this episode, Flailing in the Mezzanine. That was why I paused. That rang through to my brain. But yeah, I need to calm down and take it down a few levels. Where's my little nicotine vape? I'm not advertising this. Don't do it. It's bad for you. My brain is a million places today, obviously. Wait, I want to do the makeup YouTuber thing with the small cat. So here we have a very small cat that sits on my desk. Yeah. This week, I spent a lot of time going through my cases of local cases that happened, which used to be, you know, when I would talk about things in North Carolina, but now my local has changed. So I'm looking at things in my region of Southern California, like Slab City, the Imperial Valley, Coachella Valley. LA is its own beast, and I don't go that far north because there's there's too much to deal with in LA. So I found a few cases that I thought would be updated by now that would have some more information and just didn't. And one case in particular that stuck out to me that I really thought there'd be something more about is Marilyn Monroe Cesares. I mentioned her briefly in my episode about Poe Delwyn Black a few weeks back. And I had been looking, you know, I had found her case in 2020 when she was originally discovered murdered. And 
it resurfaced for me when I looked at Poe's case, I saw Marilyn pop up. She was 23 years old and living in Brawley, California, experiencing homelessness when she was found murdered. Police were called to a couch fire, a burning couch on the side of a road outside of an abandoned house, and upon further inspection, they found Marilyn's body, reported by the family to have been stabbed brutally and set on fire. This ending is not fitting for any human or living being at all. For that to be the way that Marilyn's life ended is just so unfitting for who she was when she was alive. Marilyn was born to a huge and loving family in Westmoreland, California. Westmoreland is a city in the Imperial Valley, as well as Brawley and El Centro and Calexico, all of these places, Imperial Valley. Early on in her life, Marilyn knew that she was different, but she couldn't quite place what it was that made her different, and she didn't know what the concept of transgender was, and quite frankly, no child really understands the very complex concept of gender. So Marilyn, for a long time, was just Marilyn. She just did her and didn't care what anybody thought. But later in life, Marilyn did come out as a transgender woman. Marilyn's sister, Aubrey, remembers how Marilyn was different from the time that she was little and is quoted in an article from the Calexico Tribune written by Jason Barniski. Quote, she was just Marilyn. She was very tough, but she was very strong. Her punch felt like 200 pounds. She was always feminine ever since we were little, putting on my mom's lipstick and her dresses. She would play with my dolls. She was my best friend and worst enemy at times. They had the typical sister relationship. I will mention that most of Marilyn's family asked media, asked everybody to identify Marilyn as she and her and as Marilyn, but referred to Marilyn by her dead name and the incorrect pronouns through all of these quotes and all of these interviews. But I genuinely think that it's just a bad habit and they don't mean anything by it. But clearly that did affect Marilyn. Aubrey admitted to having a tumultuous relationship with Marilyn when they were growing up. And like I said, a lot of the family doesn't really seem to understand what transgender means. And I mean, Marilyn didn't even understand who she was for a while. So the family getting used to it definitely took its toll on Marilyn and being misgendered and the incorrect pronouns being used. But like I said, I don't think the family meant anything bad by it. It's just a very nuanced situation. One of her aunts was quoted in the same Calexico Tribune article saying, Marilyn was a character. She had humor. She loved to sing. How can you know all the lyrics to Nicki Minaj and Cardi B? Her motto was, no matter what is going on in society, you gotta be beautiful and you have to strut it. Nobody deserves that, especially her. The rest of the family all share the same sentiment that Marilyn was unapologetically who she was. So Aubrey says she really didn't see Marilyn as Marilyn because before Marilyn had moved, she was still pre-transition and hadn't come out of the closet yet. So I think that's another big reason that the family doesn't really refer to Marilyn in the correct way is because Marilyn wasn't comfortable talking to them about the fact that she was transgender and about her identity. Marilyn's grandmother actually named and gendered her correctly the entire time in a quote from an article on The Advocate. She said, My Marilyn will be missed, not only by the family, but by each and every one of you. Every day, you gotta tell the ones you love, I love you. So Marilyn lived the complicated existence, like I've been saying, 
through acceptance and also rejection, coexisting at the same time, she didn't know if she could be herself. So she moved out at 18 years old, and her aunt is quoted saying about her moving out, that might sound a little crazy to me and you, but I think that's where she was accepted. Some of us didn't understand the life she led. Some of us accepted it, and some of us had the old mentality of you're not supposed to be living the life like that. And some of us just loved her unconditional. I don't know exactly why she words it like that, because then I can't really place which category that puts her in. And the entire statement, the pronoun she wasn't used, she was being misgendered the entire time. So... It's a really complicated situation, and this aunt says it might sound crazy, but it doesn't sound crazy to me. It sounds like Marilyn was living on the street because she preferred to be somewhere where at least she was accepted and didn't have to worry about validating her identity 24-7. Like I mentioned, Marilyn lived in the Imperial Valley, so there's really no resources for LGBT people, especially not trans women of color who are experiencing homelessness. There's barely any resources for that demographic anywhere in this country or world, but here it's like a desert of LGBT resources. Struggling to find a stable housing or a job or life, Marilyn fell into the throes of substance abuse and became addicted to a few substances while living on the street. This made it harder for the family to keep in contact, but Marilyn did still keep regular contact with the family. Her sister Aubrey said that in the past few years leading up to 2020, she and Marilyn had been working to mend their relationship and had been working on getting to know each other. Aubrey had finally started getting to know her sister rather than completely referring to this brother that she's known since birth. And that's when things took the turn for the worse. The family hadn't heard from Marilyn in a while, so when they heard that a body was discovered in the area that Marilyn had been living in on the street, they wanted to see if their worst fears were true, and they were. That Imperial Valley area just seems to be forgotten by the government, by society. It's not the only place in this country that's forgotten, but it's definitely clear to me that the only people who care are the people who actually live there and deal with the day-to-day -day issues. I don't mean that in any kind of a disrespectful way. People who live in the Imperial Valley are more than welcome to have pride about where they live, work. That's your community and you are more than allowed to love that. But I just feel bad because there are no resources and when your loved one's body is found brutally murdered, there's hardly any investigation done. There's really nowhere to turn to get help. And that struggle becomes infinitely more difficult when you're in a marginalized community, like being transgender, being a person of color, experiencing homelessness, or all three. I was always under the impression, living on the East Coast, that California was sunshine and leftist people who, you know, gay marriage had been legal since I was in elementary school, weed was legal, you go to California, everything's gonna be good. And then I saw Temecula. <laughs> yes, there's shade being thrown at Temecula right now, and I'm not sorry for that. But, but I saw these places and I was like, wow, this is country. They're just as country as North Carolina, just without the accent. And I think a lot of people think that way, and that only adds to these places, these deserts of resources being forgotten. There's just nothing. All that to say, growing up as a person of queer identity in the Imperial Valley is not easy. 
at a march held in Brawley for Marilyn. That's actually where the quote from her awesome grandma came from. That's why she was like addressing a crowd. She was at a march for Marilyn. The executive director of San Diego Pride was quoted saying, I grew up in this town and I left because of the homophobia that I faced. People like our teachers, parents, and institutions of faith echoed out disgusting vitrolic sentiments of homophobia and transphobia. It got to a point when I was in junior high and high school here, we wouldn't we would get death threats at our home. When we would call the cops, they didn't care. When we reported it to the principals, they turned their backs and said it was our fault. This is why I left the valley, and I turned to a life of activism in San Diego. When I return to Brawley today and see everyone gathered in direct opposition to this hate, it means the world to me. There was a huge turnout in Brawley. There are very many LGBT people living in Brawley, allies and supporters of LGBT people alike, and it's still this big of an issue. There's really nothing else reported about Marilyn's murder. Nothing else that's been done, no further investigation, no suspects, nothing. Marilyn is just gone and it is a cold case. All we know is that it was brutal and personal and her family is living in pain every day, regretting not getting to know Marilyn better as Marilyn and wondering what the fuck happened. Marilyn marked the 22nd of 44 trans people to be killed in 2020 the majority of those being trans women of color. The following year, in 2021, by the end of the year, that number had jumped to 57 trans people, again the majority being trans women of color. And this year, 2022, six months into the year, the number is at 14. And you guessed it, the majority of those being transgender women of color. Nine times out of ten, killed by a sexual partner who claims the trans or gay panic defense, which doesn't make any fucking sense to me, and I will get into that in a moment, and nothing's been done about it. Still, to this day, only 11 days after Marilyn was found brutally murdered, on July 26th, 2020, another transgender woman of color was found brutally murdered. Tiffany Harris, aka Dior Ova. Tiffany was found brutally murdered on the third floor of a Bronx apartment building. She was stabbed in the chest and neck. Another very personal murder. Tiffany was in a relationship or just casually sleeping with, neither here nor there, this guy, this psychopath who lived in the Bronx, and he ended up murdering her in the hallway that was full of cameras in an attempt to hide their relationship, which makes zero sense to me. That's why the trans panic defense doesn't make any sense to me because once you murder someone, you're on the news, you're on cameras. Your story is out there nationally, internationally. There is no hiding at that point. If you would have just left the woman alone, broken up with her, I mean, I, I know that I'm preaching to the choir right now. Nobody that's in my audience is killing anybody. But I, it's just, this is what goes through my mind when I read these cases. I don't understand why nothing has been done. I don't get it. And when I say nothing has been done, I mean you can make much harsher sentencing for people who attempt to use the trans panic defense or kill a trans person by creating bias crime laws in all 50 states that still don't exist. I could, the list goes on, but that is my number one priority, always, is to have bias crime laws in every 50 state. 51? I don't know. Whatever. Mm, bias crime laws all over the world. No more bias crime. Everybody stop. Tiffany was confident and content with who she was as a person from a very early age, probably from the moment that she came out the womb. 
A friend of hers was quoted in an anti-violence project article saying, Everyone loved her. She was one of a kind. And that's 100% the vibe that I got from Tiffany. You'll see why. It definitely seems like Tiffany struggled with her family in a similar way that Marilyn did. I say this because Tiffany's mother was quoted saying, Tiffany was just gay. She didn't hurt anyone. I don't know why she was there. I don't know who she was with. I don't know much about her lifestyle. Her mom also deadnamed her and suggested that Tiffany just enjoyed dressing as a woman and saw her as a drag queen, didn't see Tiffany as a trans woman, although Tiffany had been out of the closet to everyone as a trans woman for a while. And Tiffany's stepdad gave me the same vibe when he was quoted saying, I can't imagine people being so brutal. She'd like to put on makeup and appear feminine. That doesn't give anyone the right to take her life. And again, misgendered through these. I don't misgender people, regardless of if they were misgendered in the quote. You guys can imagine them being misgendered. I'm not going to do that in an, a podcast that's trying to honor their memories and serve a purpose to make a change. That's not my goal here. So misgendering happened in every single quote that I went over today, except for the one by Marilyn's awesome grandma. She's the only one who gendered anybody correctly. Just keep that in mind when I'm reading these quotes. So yeah, again, it sounds like he was just trying to say that his stepdaughter was a drag queen rather than a transgender woman. Because of that situation, Tiffany also preferred to spend the majority of her time away from home and with friends rather than family. She developed an obsession with shopping and a specific addiction to designer clothing, which I mean, who doesn't, even though I'm wearing a dress from Hot Topic. She loved Louboutin, she loved Louis Vuitton, she loved Balenciaga, she loved her coach, her Gucci, obviously her Dior. That was her nickname on Facebook. And she loved to do the head-to-toe designer kind of thing. That was the unique kind of person that Tiffany was. You could pick her out of a crowd. That's for fucking sure. On the night that she was murdered, neighbors heard Tiffany fighting with the man that killed her. And when things escalated and the neighbors became concerned, they came out to find Tiffany unconscious and bleeding out on the apartment hallway floor. She was rushed to the nearest hospital by police, but pronounced dead 45 minutes after getting there. She didn't really have a chance. And like I said, this apartment building full of cameras. So the guy who did it also didn't really have a chance of getting away with anything. The man in the video was identified as Alpha Diallo. When I googled him, a basketball player popped up. This is not a famous basketball player, just somebody by the same name a psychopath murderer. He was apprehended by police three weeks after Tiffany was killed. He was charged with criminal possession of a weapon, as well as second-degree murder and manslaughter, which I think are the same thing, but that's how the charges were listed, and I don't want to sound like an idiot, even though I probably already do. Upon a little more investigating of Alpha, police find that he had previously been arrested for sexual assault, and apparently has a history of being mentally unstable, and was free to do whatever he pleased and have a knife on him. That was allowed for him. Beyond his arrest, the three weeks after Tiffany was murdered, so around August of 2020, there's no more information about this case either. I know COVID happened and the legal system got real, real backed up. I know he's not out because only nonviolent prisoners were released due to COVID and... I know that he's mentally ill, and some of the articles mentioned that that could potentially cause an issue for trial proceedings going forward, but I don't know. I honestly don't know. I did inmate searching. I couldn't find him. I couldn't find anything about a trial, so he's probably just still sitting in jail. 
And if I can't find anything and I don't have any closure, Tiffany's family and friends don't have any closure either. Just like Marilyn's. Tiffany's family and friends clearly miss her sorely. They show their support for her and honor her memory daily, like shopping and wearing fancy bags in her honor. And I just am so baffled that year after year, the number of trans women of color being murdered climbs higher and higher when we are actively trying to get things to change. Albeit not all of us actively trying, but a lot are. And lawmakers still just deaf to a huge portion of society. Human rights still aren't being... I mean, we are literally going backwards here. The world is falling off of its axis, and we are going into the twilight zone. They are trying to ban abortion. They are making guns more accessible rather than trying to do something to fix the problem. I don't understand. You need to vote for me for president. I'm going to be the one that gets in office and it's just like you are all fired because none of you have done your job since I was born. So for the past 24 years, nothing has gotten done. Uh, So my turn. There are literally animals with more rights than humans. And it's 2022, a year that doesn't even sound right to say because it is 2022, that doesn't even sound like a real year, okay? That sounds like the future. And in the future, animals still have more rights than people. When I think about the world and society, my brain does a spin and a pirouette and then just falls flat into a little dip. (laughs) My brain is voguing in my head right now, and I don't know where I am anymore. Yeah, this week has been wild. I watched The View this morning, and everybody was crying on The View, and I was like, oh, so that's going to be the type of day that today is. And I thought Mercury was out of retrograde. I thought Mercury drank all the Gatorade. I didn't know that there was any left, because this shit's still popping off out here, and it's not even a full moon. So, I don't know. You know me, I'm just going to stay here with my fake Tiffany lamp, and my mini-split AC unit, my big wigs and clanky earrings, even though I'm a podcaster with a very sensitive microphone. Uh, yeah, that's me. And I am not fucking sorry about it, okay? And you shouldn't be either. Be unapologetically you, just like Marilyn and Tiffany were. That's inspired me to just say, you know what? I'm a creep. I'm a widow. And I'm not even fucking sorry. Alright, I think I should probably end this video. Um, yeah, who knows? Who knows where we'll be in six months or two weeks but i know where i'll be here next week next thursday come back and see me uh i'll have another episode for you this has been murders of drag i'm aura van dank bye bye i'll see you next week Mwah.